Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Acts chapter, uh, what did I say, 18? And uh, we're going to read about a guy named Apollos. And God gave me this word, and if you're taking notes today, I'd encourage you to do that. If you're taking notes, write this title down, um, Knowing God Powerfully. Knowing God Powerfully. Now, I know that we would all agree probably if you believe in God, and by the way, there's people in here that don't, totally cool. If you're atheist or agnostic, we know every week there's people that sit with us that don't believe what we believe, but we want you to know that you're welcome here. You wouldn't know by that response, but you're welcome here. Can we agree that they're, is it okay that that they're here? He says we are. They don't. No, you're welcome here. And uh, I want you to know that God is the God that meets you where you're at. And uh, today's good because I got good news today. Who likes good news? Who likes little kittens that go viral? Come on, who likes the little, like, the the little kids running to the service members when they come back from overseas? Who likes good stories? Well, good news, I got good news for you today. I'm not preaching bad news today. I got good news. And uh, that's, that's what's so cool about following Jesus is we don't preach a bad news message. We preach a good news message. I'd like to start by even online, if you've heard someone take the Bible and make bad news out of good news, I'm sorry. But I want you to know that this thing done right is good news for good people. And so today, uh, we're going to have a good time today. And uh, if you've got your Bible, Acts chapter 18, and if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Knowing God Powerfully. And my title, actually, of my, my talk today, my message, thesis, sermon, whatever you want to call it, would be, uh, What's Missing? What's missing? What's missing? Acts chapter, Acts chapter uh, 18. And last little preliminary thought is I really felt like God as I was praying this week and praying for this series, he, he was really, I, I felt his passion. Um, who has, anyone have kids in the room? Who's, any parents, grandparents, parents? So this is a current event in my family. This week I took my four-year-old Chloe and we went to the swimming pool because it was like 95 degrees in February. Praise the Lord. And we're in the swimming pool this week, and for the very first time uh, in Chloe's life, uh, I don't know if you remember this with your kids, but she went from, she took her floaties off, and she's with me in the pool, and she's starting to get courage to start swimming. So she's jumping off the wall, pretty much in the beginning just jumping to me, and then started realizing that she could kick her feet, move her hands. And you ever seen it in your kid's face when they have that epiphany that they go from, I can not only survive, I can swim. And I could see it in her little face. She's like, I'm going to die. No, no, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I can, I can. Like, she realized this is how you stay above the water. And I'll be honest, as a dad, where my parents at, you know there's a joy when, you learn, when your kids learn how to swim that they're going to be safe even if they fall in. As a pastor, when I was preparing this week, I felt like the Lord wanted me to remind you that we are Ocean's Church, which will mean two things. We will always have a shallow end that your friends can touch that are new. But we will also have a deep end. And the, and the theology of Jesus Christ is not just shallow, it is deep. And many people, they don't like going to churches that maybe have anything to do with the Holy Spirit or the deep things of God because they're scared of drowning. Look at my face today. I believe the Lord wants to teach you how to swim. I believe that you, do not have to, you don't have to drown in deep things. And I want you to write this down from the very, very beginning. We will never be scared of things in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, we'll teach it. If it's not in the Bible, we'll avoid it. And we will never, we will never dumb our, our, our theology down only to our experiences. We will let the Bible interpret the Bible, but if it's in there, we're going to go after it. Is that all right? I guess it's not all right. Half the room says it's all right. 
Well, I'm going with the 50% that says it's fine. The rest of you can get on later. Stay with the early adopters here. So if you got your Bible, Acts chapter, Acts chapter 18. I want to talk to you about what's missing, what's missing. Acts chapter 18, let's read about a really, really successful preacher in the, in the Bible. It says this, now a certain man, a certain Jew named Apollos. What's his name? Stay with me this morning. Everything I teach on is connected to these verses. A certain man named Apollos. He was from Alexandria. He was born there. Alexandria was a, was a, was a beautiful place. Over a million Jews. They called it the land of the scholars. One of the most educated, refined places to be born at. And so this guy, it says, Apollos, was an eloquent man. He was mighty in the scriptures. Can we stop there for a minute? If the Bible tells you that you are mighty in the scriptures, that's a bad dude. That's Christian Rambo right there. You know what I'm talking about? It's impressive. So he's mighty in the scriptures. He came to Ephesus. Ephesus is an, a, a major city. It's an affluent area. It's a trade uh, epicenter. They have one of the seven wonders of the earth, the, the, the Temple of Diana. It's uh, 430 feet uh, wide. It's 200, or long. It's 225 feet wide. It's 60 feet tall in the ancient world. And it was a, it was a beautiful place, uh, but a lot of paganism was in Ephesus. There was the, the lucky charm capital of the world. I'm not talking about the cereal. Uh, they made, uh, it was really the home of superstition. And a lot of evil stuff was happening. It was a pagan city. And so now that we know the backdrop here, he was an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to this city of Ephesus. This man, watch what it says. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he was fervent in spirit. So what do we got? Eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, fervent in spirit, and instructed in the way of the Lord. And it actually says that he taught accurately the things of the Lord. Who likes to go to a church that teaches accurately? If you don't, you're dismissed. Bad joke. It says this. So it goes on, and it says uh, he taught accurately things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. That was the only theology he was exposed to. He knew the baptism of remission of sins. Confess your sins, repent, turn, or burn. Like, the baptism of John was a, like, a threatening message. The baptism of Jesus was a good news message. So he was, he was instructing accurately with what he knew, but it says he only knew the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the church. When Aquila and Priscilla, these are tent makers, they're friends of Paul, the great apostle, when they heard him uh, pontificating eloquently in the church, it says they took him aside, they grabbed him, hey, come here, and they explained to him the way of God more in depth. More in depth. I don't know about you, but I want to I make a couple, couple, uh, couple uh, cases here this morning. You can actually... You can be mighty in the scriptures, you can be eloquent, you can be good looking, you can be well educated, instructed in the way, and even passionate about your faith, and still not be as deep as God wants you to be. Can we agree that to that day? So this is where Apollos, he's very effective with what he knows. But listen, to not be, not to be exposed to the things of the spirit of God does not make you stupid or low IQ, it just makes you uh, unaware or untaught. That there's things that are deeper than what you currently touch. God, keep going. I got, I got 50 thoughts going through my head. And by the way, if you knew all the things I held back, you think I'm funnier than I am. I exercise a lot of self-control up here. 
fervent. It says this. So they took him aside, told him more about things to God more accurately, and when he desired to come across. So we'll read that. And now let's go to chapter 19. I want to I point this out to you. Kind of interesting, interesting passage in Acts chapter 19. And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, the great apostle Paul, who loves Apostle Paul? 13 of you. God bless you. Through uh, the upper regions came to Ephesus, finding some disciples, finding some, finding some. These guys believe in Jesus. They raised their hand in a church service. They prayed the sinner's prayer. They are disciples. They're not just fans. They're followers. They're disciples. He comes to these disciples, and watch what he says to them. He goes, hey, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you So they were disciples. They believed, but here's their response. Uh, we... We have not so much as heard that there was a Holy Spirit. Who's been to that church? Don't raise your hand. We thought it was Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures. There's more? He says, uh, this is Paul's response. Was, um, into what then were you baptized? They said, uh, John's baptism. Paul said, oh, John indeed, yeah, he baptized with the baptism of repentance, but saying that, remember he said this, that after him would come somebody that you can believe on, who would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. There's someone coming after his message. And when they heard this, they were baptized, what? In the name of the Lord Jesus. So they get water baptized right then. And then, and then it says that he laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues, which I know is scary for many people, and prophesied, which is scary for many people. Um, and there were about 12 people that were there in all. But I want to make one point here, is Apollos was eloquent, passionate, fervent, mighty in scriptures, and uh, they're like, hey, there's something a little bit deeper. Okay. And then there's 12 guys who are like, we love God. We read our Bibles every day. We're mighty in scriptures. We're mighty in eloquence. We're mighty in passion, fervent in spirit. And Paul goes, hey, you guys received the Holy Spirit when you received Jesus? They said, ah, what's that? So I want to talk to you today. Is that all right? Kind of tee the room up. Feel that awkward tension in Orange County. It's going to get weird in here. Buckle up. We're going to have a good time. I promise if we get weird today, it's you, not me. Amen? So let's pray. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be at my favorite church on my favorite day of the week. I just thank you that you love these people. I pray even right now that as we talk about, Lord, just even deeper things. I know so many people go to churches, even like Jesse said, some people I've talked to have been in churches for 20 years. And they're like, man, I've grown in my faith more in three months than I did in 20 years. I thank you for a community that's committed to not just living in the shallow end. But we're going to know how to swim. We're not going to live in the deep end. You can't live in, in, in the deep ocean. But you can certainly go back and forth and enjoy what it is to be in shallow and in deep water. I invite you, Holy Spirit, today to use, use this time to build your people up. I pray you bless the Lakers in Jesus' name. Come on, someone said. Come on, someone said amen. For the record, I prayed for the Clippers first service, first service too, which was a first. It was for Michael. And uh, God bless you. Who's been to Ikea? Anybody been to Ikea? If you're a young married person, you've been to Ikea? If you're come on, if you're, if you're trying to get your first place, you've been to Ikea. I don't know if you, uh, Ikea's from Sweden. And it's a Swedish uh, name. I don't know if you know the meaning of Ikea. It means torment. Do you know that? It means torment. It means anguish. Bitter rage. And belligerent. So Ikea means. Uh, my phone? Where my phone was? I was thinking about this uh, this week. Uh, I've been to Ikea before. We bought furniture at Ikea. And 
just interesting, you know, I was thinking about this week, um, just kind of all the nuances of Ikea, uh, particularly with assembling furniture. Now, if you've been to Ikea, you know what I'm talking about. You walk through this warehouse that's the size of heaven, and um, as you're walking through, they've gone new technology, so no longer do you have the little pencils and you fill out the, the numbers of boxes that are in separate parts of the world. Um, but now you take a picture of the phone, and you basically can buy an entertainment center the size of Walmart that fits in three boxes the size of the speaker. So you walk through the store, you, you locate the boxes, uh, and then after you load them up, you, you put them in your cart, you go home, and you start unpacking these boxes. And I don't know if you've become aware of this, I, uh, I actually want to go to our politicians locally and actually lobby for a new bill to be passed that would put warning labels on Ikea boxes. I think it's my civic duty uh, to fight for the rest of you. That if Google is forced to put ETAs of arriving at destinations... They owe it to us to let us know how long it's going to take to put that box together. At least a ballpark number. Now, one of my biggest frustrations with IKEA furniture is the tools that come with it. First of all, can we just not offend all the real tools by calling those tools? Like real tools in your garage, like don't you associate me with them. That is not a tool. That is a universal something. There's like a wrench, an Allen key, there's a screwdriver, a flathead, all in a two-inch piece of metal. Manufactured in the same plant that makes toys for Happy Meals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever try to put something together of substance with that tool? It should have a warning label that says, if you assemble this with the tool provided, it will take approximately 19 days. It should have a little clause like, you could drive to Canada and back quicker. Swim to Catalina easier than assembling this bookcase with this tool. I don't even know why we put tools in the, in the box. I think it's a ridiculous. I think it's a ridiculous notion. I'm, I'm upset about it. I'm very fired up. And I think that's why Ikea actually names their furniture. We, look, they say they're Swedish names. I think they're cuss words. I do. I, uh, I actually, I got a couple of them in my research time. There is a mirror called the uh, frack. <laughs> exactly. You're assembling that thing? Why? Because we wait till midnight to start putting furniture together. And as you're putting that furniture together at midnight, you're going to say frack throughout the night. Come on. <laughs> and then there's other pieces like Dom, Dom Boss. Yeah. Yeah. You're putting that little wardrobe together. You're going to be saying Dombas. And then there's a, a sore, S-O-R-E. Yeah. That's what your fingers are going to be for two weeks. Blisters. Your soul. Your psyche. You're going to be spending thousands of dollars. I'm sorry. I'm getting fired up. To your counselor because of that dumb little tool they put in the box. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you that there's so many people that are furious because, listen, you start putting it together and you realize somewhere along the way, I am not doing this right. This should not be this difficult. This is a six by four bookshelf. Why am I so enraged? Dombas! Listen, I'm telling you that there's so many people that like me, when you're putting furniture together at Ikea, that if you only have the little tool that's provided in the box, you are going to be very agitated, frustrated, fuming. I need a power drill. 
I'm telling you, man, without power, power drills, screwdrivers, real wrenches that are larger than your pinky, you're going to be very, come on, you're going to be shouting some of these names at night. You ever have a, I had, a, I had an electric uh, weed whacker that literally required me to be plugged in so I had an extension cord that would reach around the equator, walking around my front yard, trimming, trimming things. Listen, without power tools, you can do a lot of these jobs. It just takes much longer. It takes longer. I don't know about you, Matt. Two things frustrate me. The duration of time it takes when you don't have a power tool. And the second thing that frustrates me is, is thinking about, am I doing something wrong because of how difficult this is? You ever had those moments like, ah, ah, something's not right. This shouldn't be this hard. And I feel like so many people, if I could be, if I could just bring it back to Orange County, when I was praying this week, I had this picture. God almost gave me this whole illustration, and all those jokes were from him. I didn't think of any of that stuff. And I was thinking about this, but God gave me this picture. So many people are so irritated because they love the scriptures, they've been to church, they believe in Jesus, but they're like, what the heck am I missing? So hard to be godly without God. So hard to be spiritually minded without the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many people I meet. It's like, man, they're blistered, they're, they're fractured, they're recovering. It's like, man, I've been trying to live like Jesus without his spirit. And if I could just kind of come in this morning on this idea that God wants you to live with power. And now before you tune me out, you're like, oh, this word gets weird. It doesn't get weird. There's no weird part to this message. The weird part is you taking the stairs was when there's, a, when there's an escalator next door. That's weird. Why in the world? Come on, CrossFitter. Stop taking the stairs. Take the stinking escalator. It's a gift. It's free. Do you, like, oh, you think it costs money. No, it doesn't cost money. Someone put it in. Someone paid for it. It's a free ride. Why? Airport people, why are you taking it? Who, who are you pressing? Is there a girl on the plane that you're trying to get her attention? Is that why you got your 60-pound backpack on taking the stairs? Why are you trying to be a hero? Listen, when there's escalators available, we don't have to take stairs. I feel like so many people are like, well, I, look, I like to wash my dishes by hand. I get it. Fine China. I get it. But why would you not put a dishwasher in your house? Who's for dishwashers? Anybody? Come on. Orange County, raise your hands. Who's for a washing machine? Look, my grandma had a washroom. She washed by hand. It's great. You can do it. I just choose not to wash by hand. There are so many things that you can do in life without power. But I just want to, if I could come to Orange County and say this. Look, I think there's so many people like Apollos. So many great churches. We have some of the greatest, soundest Bible teachers in the world that pastor churches in our county. They are eloquent. They are well-studied. They are straight as a gun barrel. But some of them, when it pertains to the presence of the Holy Spirit, are, is just as empty as that gun barrel. Straight as an arrow, but nothing in there of substance that's changing people's lives. Apollos, listen, he was a fan of Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He preached the Bible. He loved the scriptures. He was eloquent. He was passionate. He was fervent. He was articulate. He was smart, educated. He's from Alexandria, for crying out loud. He's in Ephesus. He's a brilliant man. But it says that Priscilla and Aquila hear his message, and they're like, ah, I think something's missing. Because I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but you go to churches that actually welcome the Holy Spirit at a high level, and churches that are a little bit scared of the Holy Spirit. And usually one of the easiest ways to tell is by the, by the way the message is communicated. 
I've been in services, I'm like, dude, this guy is not even a good speaker, but I am crying the whole time. This guy knows the Holy Spirit. It's like Acts chapter 4. It's like these guys are uneducated, untrained idiots, but they have been with Jesus. I'm telling you that if there's anything that we want people to say is that not we're uneducated, untrained. I think that you can actually, here's my, here's my thesis, is that you don't have to choose one or the other. And I think that's what the devil's trying to do. He says, you go to Orange County, you find a church that's full of the wisdom of God, full of the, the, the structure and the scriptures, and so full of sound theology, or you find a church that's weird. But here's the problem. You look at the ministry of Jesus, it was fully wise, but it was also fully powerful. And the way he changed regions and the way that Paul turned the world upside down was that it wasn't a gospel of one or the other. It was both and. And I believe that, look, if you're looking for a church, it's like, man, we, we, we believe in the scriptures. We're studied. We're, we, we understand. We're fervent. We're, we're mighty in these things. But we also know there's some things beyond what we'll ever touch intellectually. It says, it says the only way that you actually really connect with the Spirit of God is by worshiping in, in spirit and in truth. There's some things that your logic will never touch. And here's the dirty little secret. We want a supernatural God, but we want to understand him only logically. And there are some things about a supernatural God that's beyond your super IQ. Are you hearing me today? I am in no way advocating that we have to amputate our brains at the door and say it's just the spirit. But I am telling you that when you really know the deep things of God, there will be parts of who God is that will transcend your knowledge. No, I'm pretty smart, Mark. I got a piece of paper that says PhD. So do I. Mine stands in prayer, healing, and deliverance. That's all I got. I'm working towards an honorary doctorate. Praise the Lord. But I want you to know that God is, God is all-powerful. He's powerful God. How do you know he's powerful? Because he's unparalleled. No one can compare to who God is. You can't compare him to anything. And not only is he unparalleled, he's unchanging. I don't know if you notice this, but weather changes, not here, but other places. Weather changes, trends change, fashions change, shows change, entertainment changes. Listen what doesn't change. God does not change. Why? Because the change would imply the notion that you can improve. That God cannot do. He's unchanging. He's unparalleled. How do you know? Because there's nothing else that, that rivals or lines up to him. What else is so powerful about God? Let me say something about the Holy Spirit. He's ungoverned. Me and you, we got security guards, we got police officers, we got, we, got, we got politicians leading us, we got HOAs, we got boards, we got all of these things. We serve a God that's the CEO of everything. He is ungoverned. He's, he's a powerful God. We serve a God that's unbelievable. Look, writers fail to have enough adjectives to, to, to successfully describe the measure of God's scope and depth. We serve a God that's, that's unbelievable. He's, he's untouched. You could sneeze on some of us. There's a virus going around, but good news is Psalms 91 says it will not come near us. Can I get an amen? But you sneeze on us, you can infect somebody with a sneeze. You can, you can, you can mess someone up with a, with a cold and infect them. But listen, you cannot, you cannot infect or stain God. There is nothing in you that could break the power of his righteousness in him. Jesus was the only human being that could touch unclean people and he didn't get unclean. He's the only one that can touch someone that's dark and bring light into them and not be infected by their darkness. He's, un, he's untouchable. He's, he's uncaused. There is no made-in sticker on Jesus. He has no childhood inspirations. He has no inspirations on his resume of who, who influenced him. He has no childhood. 
We serve a God that was not put into power, and because he was not put into power, no one can take him out of it. He's, un, he's uncaused. And guess what? Not only that, he's unlimited. He's unlimited. Get, wrap your around on this. The Holy Spirit is unlimited. Creatively, unlimited. When it pertains to supply and demand, unlimited. Without capacity, time, geography, space, relationships, me and you, we're limited. And guess what? 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, unless I go to the cross, unless I send the advocate, the counselor, the paraclete, the helper, my presence will be limited to one physical address. But if I leave, when I get to the Father, I'll send. I'll send the helper. And when he comes into the room, in, in the world, no longer will one high priest every year have access to my glory. When I go, I will send the Holy Spirit so that anyone that calls on my name can have access. We serve a God that actually has, listen, he has power. And I'm convinced that we live in a day and age that we hide behind degrees sometimes. We have people preaching every week that are very, very smart, like Apollos, sharp as a tack. But there is no sustenance of the Spirit of God. I want you to know that information alone does not change people. It is an encounter with God. Abraham had an encounter with God. Moses had an encounter with God. Paul on the road, listen to me, he had an encounter with Jesus. And here's the crazy thing. Paul, Paul has an encounter. He believes in Jesus and the road to Damascus. He has three days of being a believer but not being filled with Jesus' spirit. I want to I point, point something out to you today. That Paul was, was one of the many people that believed but had a secondary encounter with the Holy Spirit. If you look at, the, if you look at Acts chapter 9, it says that these, these disciples... They said, we believe. Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? Did you get that when you believe? They said, ah, we believe, but we've never had a secondary encounter. Listen, I know some people get scared because they're like, well, the Holy Spirit accommodates other, other things. Listen, the Holy Spirit does not possess you to do things you don't want to do. Well, I would. I'd open up a little bit, but then I might grab the microphone at Gelson's. Start speaking in the Holy Ghost and embarrass everyone in my family. I got news for you that the Holy Spirit does not possess you. And listen to me. If being filled with the Holy Spirit makes you weird, then I'm weird. But here's the, here's the truth. Here's the dirty little secret about being filled with the Holy Spirit. When he comes upon you, you'll love the Bible more than you ever loved it. It's weird. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, not only will you love the Bible more than you've ever loved it, you'll actually love uh, people more than you've ever loved them. It's weird. You'll start getting an appetite to order at restaurants what Jesus is getting. I love this idea. When you get around in the Holy Spirit, you'll start ordering the way Jesus orders in life. You'll say, oh, Jesus is into purity? I think I'm kind of getting into purity. He's kind of into loving people that are down and out. I love people that are down. He's into being generous. Man, I, I'm going to start ordering what Jesus is having because, listen, the Spirit of God gives you the appetite of Jesus. So many people are like, oh, I don't know, man, the Holy Spirit. I can go to heaven without being filled with secondary encounter. And the answer is Yes. But why would you take the stairs? Why would you keep trying to earn your way? I got to do more good deeds. I got to earn his love. I got to earn his forgiveness. I got to do something to make up for my bad deed I did last week. I got to keep trying to earn God's favor. And I would plead with you today that the Holy Spirit is a gift. Not for good people, but for people that are forgiven and, and loved by the Son. Yeah, if you're going to clap, give him a good hand clap today. So before I lose the room today, I would just say today that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It was a secondary transaction for these 12 guys. And they, they did. They've been speaking in a language they never studied for. And they begin to prophesy. And, 
And I know that scares some people, but let me just give you a word that many people are freaked out by. Last week I told you that Pentecost isn't scary. It literally means 50. Penta means five. Cost means tenfold. So it literally means 50. So when someone says Pentecost, you're like, oh my gosh, crazy. Not crazy, 50. Stay with me, 50. That wasn't scary, was it? You okay still? Here's another word that scares people, charismatic. Charisma. Charismatic. It, uh, it literally means this. Charis means grace. Matic means gift. It means grace, gift. Theologians would describe charisma as this. It's the instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer to exercise a gift for the edification of other people. Who, okay, let me just, let me, who wants to receive something from God's Spirit that would help other people? That's not too scary, is it? Listen, I know I'm kicking some sacred cows in the room, but listen to me. If you ever are taught things about God that make you scared of God or scared of the Bible, check your theology. We should never be scared of anything that the disciples were not scared of. They were not scared of the Holy Spirit. They were not scared of talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's seven motivational gifts in Romans chapter 12. There's, there's 12 uh, inspirational gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen, we are not scared of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. He fills us to help other people. Is that okay? Is that, listen, is that okay? God, you want to fill me up to help other people. Someone say amen. amen. It's a good thing to have. So if you have your Bible today, I want to just write a couple last notes here, and we'll, we'll wrap this up this morning. Someone say, what's missing? I feel like there are so many people that are looking for why am I having a hard time break this cycle of addiction in my family? Why in the world can everyone in my family not get free from this particular issue? Everyone in my family cheats. Everyone in my family steals. Divorce runs in my family, addictions, abuse, uh, affairs, you, you name it. All this stuff is in my bloodline. Listen, how come I can't change the way I'm living? What the heck is missing? And I would just, if I could today, say, come on, put down your little Ikea tool. And we're going we're gonna to invite the pneumatic, come on, the pneumatic, the pneuma, the ruach in the Hebrew, the, the pneuma in the Greek. It means the breath of God. And pneumatic is the word we get breath. It means air. And when you have a pneumatic screw gun, it means that it's operated by the power of wind. And I want you to know there are gifts, there is power that's available to believers because of the pneuma or the ruach of God. If you believe it, say amen. So I want you to write these three things down. What does the Holy Spirit do? Good question. Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking, guys. He does a couple of things. The Holy Spirit, first thing he wants to do when he comes upon you is he wants to give you more ability to believe. Apparently this room needs it. First thing the Holy Spirit will do when he comes upon you is he'll heighten your ability to believe. Here's the truth. What you believe God can do reveals how big God is to you. And I believe in a God that when the Holy Spirit comes on, he'll enlarge your ability to believe. Some are like, man, I don't know if God. Look, I believe in a God that can save my soul and maybe get me to heaven. Well, let me just, let me just tell you a couple, couple, couple problems with a theology of only the remission of sins. Jesus is honored by faith. Go with me just for a second. Come, amuse me. He's honored by faith. Say it with me, faith. faith. Faith is not just past tense or future tense. Faith lives in the presence. How do you know? Hebrews 11 says this. Now faith is, now faith, faith, not was, not will be faith. It lives in the current tense. And it's funny because people have no problem seeing God in the past or believing that God will be big in the future. Yeah, he did it in the early church. Or when we get to heaven, it's going to be perfect. 
but they have zero faith for today. And they keep getting bullied, trying to wash the dishes and take the stairs because they're too scared of his power. And I want you to know today that there is a God in heaven that when you invite him into your life, he will give you an enlarged ability to believe. Believe for what? That he could fill you with power. Power so you could be a show-off. No, strength is for service, not for status. And if you read the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells you what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. Chapter 13 is all about love. Some of you read it in, in your wedding. And that's why because it's, look, look at me, 1 Corinthians 12 is the gifts. Chapter 13 is the, the why. It's love. And chapter 14 is the how. So Paul tells a church of Corinth, which by the way, Corinth, uh, the city of Corinth would be like Los Angeles. It was an affluent, it would be Orange County. It's affluent, it's big, trade capital of the world. It has a temple to Aphrodite, has a thousand prostitutes in the temple because they thought the way they served God was through pagan rituals. One of the darkest cities on the earth. And here's my con conviction today, is that when the world gets darker and darker like Greece and like Rome, that the church has to become more and more like the early believers. The more the world gets like Rome, the more Christians have to become like the early church. And we do that by inviting, saying, God, if there is power, would you fill me? So today, the band can come up. I'm about finished. The Holy Spirit will do a couple things. Number one, he'll enlarge your ability to believe. Someone say amen. amen. What else will the Holy Spirit do? Good question. Thanks for asking. Number two, the Holy Spirit will give you the appetite to become. So many people, you know what they do is they're like, oh, I don't know, I... I I believe in God, but I just keep living the same way. I've been, I've, been, I've been dysfunctional like this for 30 years. I want you to know that when you have an encounter, by the way, Christianity without God encounters leads to shadow forms of dead religion. We can't just be intellectually savvy and never have a God encounter in our spirit. And my hope today would be is that I whet your appetite, your taste palate to go, hey, if there is more, I want it. And if I can swim in the deeper things of God without drowning, I'm in. I think God wants all of you to have that feeling in your face like, man, I don't understand everything about what God. I don't know how all of his gifts work. I don't know how, why he does what he does. I don't know why he gave us language. I don't know why he gave us these 12 powerful gifts of discernment and, and, and gifts of uh, demonstration and dynamic gifts of, you know, I don't know why he gave us all this stuff. Some of this stuff I don't fully understand, but guess what? God will never be fully understood. And if I could check a box off for some of you that think that your eight-pound brain is going to fully wrap itself around the depths of who God is, I would like to remind you once again that he is too big to fully figure out. Here's another thought. We're going to live forever. Yeah, I, th I think I knew that. Yeah, you're going to live forever. And in eternity, you will never, I will never, depth, grab the depths of how big God is. So if you think that you're going to figure him out in 25 years... Which I know some of you have. You think you're going to figure out the depths of the Holy Spirit in 50 years or 60 years? I want to remind you that eternity does not have enough square footage for you to figure out who God is in totality. He is a God beyond our reason, beyond our understanding, beyond our just, this logic's great, knowledge is good, but He's beyond it. So today, He is a God that gives us the appetite of Jesus. Number two, we become. Holy Spirit, would you fill me up? Why? Because I need to become more like Jesus. Hey, what's your goal? I know the world tells you, you just be you. Just be you. You can't be anybody else, but you can be you. Avoid the haters. Be you. It's like, oh my gosh. Okay. Memes on Instagram. I'll be me. But if I'm being honest, man, I'd like to be something beyond me. I'd like to be like him. 
Here, let me be very clear. I'm not talking in the third person. Listen to me. I, I don't want to just become Mark. I want to become, I want Mark to become like Jesus. And by the way, if you believe in him and you pray to him and you read this book and you go to this church, I want you to, our goal isn't to be the best version of Micah or be the best version of Mark or be the best version of Brent. Our goal is to become like the one we worship. I want people to see the love of Jesus in my eyes. I want them to feel the love of God in my, in my hug. I want them to sense the love of God in my tone. I, I want the world to see him. Why? Because it says in the book of Acts, in Antioch, they were first called Christians there. Do you know Christian is not a word to describe a name? It was a word that described a nature. And so many people, they are Christian in word, but not in nature. You are a believer in name, but not nature. You know what the Holy Spirit does? When you invite him in, he'll change your nature into the, the nature of Jesus. He will give you the appetite of Jesus. Why do I feel like being kind to this person that's in an unjust situation? It's the nature of Jesus. Why am I all of a sudden not as selfish as I was yesterday? It's the nature of Jesus. Why do I want to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep? It's the nature of Jesus. And when his when, it's, when you get around the, are you with me today? You're making me work up here. I, I want to remind you that we serve a God that doesn't want you just to be a Christian in name. He wants you to be a believer in Jesus in nature. Christian translates little or many Christ. The only way the, the, the unsaved world could describe the early disciples was these guys, they're like many Jesus. They're like the mini version, like the, like the, like the, they're bite-sized Jesus. Vacha, he's like little Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, Joy, she's like a little Jesus. It's, it's so strange. It's like, yeah, Bob is like a mini, it's, Kara, man, you get around her, she's like a mini Jesus. She's a Christian. I'm telling you that Christian without Christ leaves you with Ian. And we have a lot of Ian's in the world because we're trying to live Christian without Christ. You need the spirit of Christ to live a Christian. Yeah. Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, make you become like him. Make you believe in a greater way. And you know what he'll do? He'll actually possess you to want to build. Three things. You got them today? Who's got them? The Holy Spirit does what? He gives you what? He gives you, number one, the desire to believe more. Number two, what does he do? He actually gives you the desire to become like Jesus. How about number three? What does the Holy Spirit do when he comes upon me, Mark? Great question. Let me answer it finally. He'll give you the desire to build. You know why some of you are so empty? Because the only thing you're leveraging your life to build is your life. And I want you, Jesus said, you can gain the entire world. You can live in the greatest place, best neighborhood, drive the nicest car have the most beautiful spouse and still be empty of everything because you can gain the world and lose your soul. Why? Because life is not about building your castle. It's about building the kingdom of God. And when I actually leverage my life to build his kingdom, not my castle, God's not against your house. He's not against your car or your spouse. Please have, all, have a nice everything. But don't ever make that the purpose of your life. You see, if God could leverage your gifts and leverage your career, and if you would let God use your marriage and your children and say, God, all that I have, I give to build what's going to last forever. Two things last forever. You ready? People 
and the kingdom of God. Two things, people and the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, movies go in and out, music goes in and out, all these things. They go in and out, in and out, fads, trends, clothes. My gosh, don't even look at Gucci's new line, please. It is wild. But listen, you know what does not go out of style? Does not go out. People and the kingdom of God. And quite frankly, I think many people are going to get to heaven almost like Oscar Schindler at the end of Schindler's List and go, man, I could have done more for God. I could have leveraged more of my life to make a difference for eternity. I could have impacted my students in my classroom. I could have impacted my teammates in the locker room. I could have made a difference with my executive partners in the boardroom. I could have invited people to the church. I could have brought them to my small group. I could have shared my testimony. I, I could have, I could have, I could have. Why are we giving God so little when eternity is so long? Listen, if Christianity is fake, it's of zero importance. It's fake. If it's real, it's, it's worthy of absolute importance. C.S. Lewis said the only thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Listen, it's all or nothing. If There's no middle ground. But Orange County, what we want to do? We want to live in the middle. Mighty in scriptures, go to church every week, went to Christian school, went to seminary, quote the scriptures, but I'm still as broken as my friends that have never met God. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just telling you, Christianity without Christ is in. We need the spirit of Jesus. I don't know who you are today. I'm not, I'm not asking you to be weird. I'm not asking you to start doing some weird stuff in the church. I'm not inviting any of that stuff. I'm just telling you, we will be a church that's open to the Holy Spirit. Because He's the one that gives us the appetite of Jesus. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.